Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the podcast, I have Summer Quisenberry. Summer, where are you at and what are you up to? So currently, obviously, at the University of Illinois in real time, right? I just fed my team um, uh, over winter break, right? So we just fed them, and then I've got plans for their Christmas celebrations, and that involves me printing out some pictures. So I'm currently in the Walgreens parking lot, right? So... Um, ready to ready to do some interviewing and still be in real time. Everything we got to get done tonight, so we're we're ready for team festivities. What does a winter break look like for a basketball team? Yep. So um, that starts usually about the first week of December. So our last exam uh, was Friday of last week, and so um, you know different institutions I've worked at typically. You've got about eight weeks with your team um, in terms of typically no classes, right? Still scheduling games. Uh, NCAA Division II mandates that we take a week off. So we have our week off is um, December 19th through the 27th this year. Um, So that'll be a week that they go home. But essentially from December 9th, which is their last scheduled exam, right? till January 17th, um, we, it's just us. Um, And this is typically when for me and and especially in year one this is typically when we make the biggest strides in terms of coming together as a team and um and it's i mean it's 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 one of the fun times essentially it's they eat they sleep and it's basketball right um and a lot of team bonding it's typically just men and women's basketball that's on campus during this time so um kind of a special time and that's that's break so as a coaching staff it's our practices, our individual workouts, our film sessions, um, recruiting, fitting and recruiting, figuring out how we're going to feed them every day, um, as well as uh, the team building aspects of it all. You mentioned year one. So is this the first year that you've been at the, that your stop you're at now? Yes. Um, took over the program um, in late July uh, to, to start here. When you came in, what were you talked about culture and building kind of that? What were some of the things that you knew, like, I need to get these things laid in place this first year? Yep. So this is the the fifth program I've been able to come in um, and be able to to progress, I guess, in year one. And so some of that is establishing, you know, who we are essentially right now and who we strive to be um, and kind of trying to figure out that gap. But more importantly, what I find is you know, we do player handbooks, right? And in our player handbooks, I'm big on laying out all expectations, whether that be our academic expectations, our bench conduct, practice conduct, what is playing time conduct look like in terms of what is your protocol for wanting more, right? Like, why aren't you receiving it? Why, how do you get more? Who should you be talking to? All those things. I lay that all out um, in our, our player handbook because I think we can no longer assume anything of our athletes in terms of their previous experience, in terms of their background, in terms of knowing what right and wrong is. I mean, even when you tell someone to be on time, just a general statement like that, for some of them, right, that means they need, they'll be there an hour before. Some of that means, you know, 30 minutes before. Some of that means 15 minutes before. And some of them are literally strolling in when practice starts, right? So we have to lay that out. I mean, I know that that's simple, but we write down those all those expectations. And so that's been how we want to establish our foundation and how we want to progress our program is establishing those things as well as the relationships um, for me, especially in terms of knowing from an academic standpoint, their, their professors, um, our FAR, 
um, our, uh, their academic advisors and trying to bridge those gaps. Um, anybody basically that's interacting with our program, our athletic training staff, um, our strength and conditioning coaches, anyone that has direct contact with our players in terms of relationships, that's another big area in terms of getting our culture out. And, um, and sometimes that's a, a challenge in your one as a, as a head coach, especially when your culture is dramatically different than the previous coaches. Is this first time head coach or have you done this before? Nope, this is, I've done this before. Um, in my previous five stops, um, I've been the head coach. Um, I'm sorry, out of five, four of them, the head coach. Uh, one of them, I was the assistant on the men's side in year one um, in terms of progressing it. When you look back to that year one, what are some of the things that you look back and go, man, I learned a lot about this and this, or maybe something that, that didn't go well? <laughs> year one, it's every day is a fist fight. Every day is a fist fight in terms of when you're building culture and the consistency. Um, because like right now, my team's 0 and 9. So from a culture standpoint, I mean, this is my worst career head start. Um, we've we've had to progress it in a lot of different ways. Um, things that we've inherited and kind of had to overcome and they'd be consistent on those things. Every year in terms of year one, I've I've um, had to learn different things in terms of how I'll progress as a coach. Um, some of those things have been um, every single day, you can never let up in what your culture is. Like you have got to be consistent, whether it's winning, losing, whatever, essentially you've got to be consistent in what your values and philosophies are and you have to fight for those. So that's, you know, that fist fight. You have to be consistent in your message um, and you have to hold everyone to that standard. Year one, yes, of course you want to win, but it's really truly not about your overall record ever, um, which is hard for me, obviously, as a competitor. Um, it is difficult um, from that standpoint because you want to come in and be like, woo, right? My culture, my philosophies, these things that we're doing, right? And just kind of wave your wand and magically all of a sudden you're better. But it's not those things. It's it's overcoming inheriting players that didn't weren't recruited by you. Um, that kind of make some assumptions. And so you have to kind of back up and build those relationships. Um, it's progressing in terms of recognizing that there's players that are going to enter the transfer portal and want to enter the transfer portal upon you coming there, um, especially as that's becoming more and more of a concern, even when you're recruiting players to play for you, right? The transfer portal is there and it's becoming more of a culture, especially in all athletics, but really truly in men and women's basketball. Um, I feel like we're leading the pack <laughs> essentially in, in, in progress, like in terms of the usage of the transfer portal. So it's all those things in year one this year, um, I've, we inherited players that had substantial injuries, um, and maybe haven't contributed, um, in, in minutes and, and practices. And so trying to progress them through their varying, um, injuries and having an understanding of what the progression is, what is proper procedure and protocol, um, how do we progress them back into practices? Do we progress back into practices? Um, is it a different sort of second opinion, third opinion? Are we opting into surgery? Are we pushing through the injury? Um, this is the most injuries I've ever um, inherited as a coach um, and also had to work through it on an individual basis as a coach and how that's impacted team progression because I'm a coach that's very big on the whole team moves forward. You know what I mean? Like we're not leaving someone behind everyone takes a step forward and we're only as strong as essentially as our weakest link 
whether that be someone that's only had a week in practice, doesn't know the plays, whatever, but even the expectations of if you're injured, how do you contribute to the team's success? That has been a big gap in terms of, I always felt like those things were understood. They're not, there's something that you have to coach. And so this year I have been challenged as a head coach in terms of that policy, procedure, protocol, and progression, really. Um, so that's this year. Other years it's been recruiting in terms of, do we believe we're, we are retaining this group and we wanna invest in our culture? Is this a group that's they're transferring? Is this a group that we have to recruit over? Like that's really true in, in terms of how you progress. Um, for me, it's always been a measurement of buy-in, right? Um, and if you're buying in, then I don't see a reason why we shouldn't allow you to continue serving um, in some sort of capacity to the program. If you're buying into what the new, you know, the new um, culture is. If you're not, then this isn't a fit for you, right? But there's multiple times we give our players a substantial amount of time to contribute um, in multiple different facets, not just from a playing time standpoint um, to, to progress. Do you find talking about starting off kind of in a, in kind of a struggle result wise, how hard is it to keep the players bought in to like, look, this is part of the process. We're working through some things. I'm trying to get things in place um, without kind of losing maybe the locker room. Right. So, um, we went down to six players, right? So again, when I took over the program, um, I was blessed to be able to bring three players with me, um, two of my sophomores and um, an incoming freshman from my previous institution. So I was able to kind of bring three with me um, with the intent of potentially bringing in more than that. But from an administrative standpoint, we had had discussions and believed um, that our current roster you know, it would be better in this year one to kind of progress the current roster and maybe have only three or four players that I had recruited previously. And so sometimes there's gaps in terms of those things too, meaning not having a proper diagnosis of where people were in terms of their injury return protocols, right? And so our roster's at six, but we also have six that are injured, right? So competing with six and what that means um, in terms of we have very little room for error. Like we, we've, you need to be on the help side. You need to be following policy. We have to play in front of the post because we don't have post players. We have to put um, pressure on ball side, push baseline, like in terms of our principles, right? And we have to do it every single time. So in some ways, a blessing in terms of we're either going to buy in, put up and shut up and compete, or we're going to get beat, right? I mean, there's no, there's just no room for error. So the more we discuss with our players what the controllables are. So Saturday, I felt like we should have given this past Saturday, this game. And, and if you look at our record, there's been several games. We've lost by four. We've lost by eight. We've lost by 12. You know, we really lost by eight, but I made them pressed, <laughs> right? Because it's about growth of our girls at the end of the game that we don't stop fighting. So a loss is a loss, whether we lose by eight or we lose by 16, right? It doesn't really matter. But essentially, so our players can progress, it's more important to play those final two minutes from a fighting standpoint and go down with the fight, no matter what's on the show, the scoreboard, because there's time on the scoreboard, I guess is what I should say, than any other thing, right? So all those things, in terms of not losing the locker room, it's talking about and showing where our principles are and where we're not completely 
satisfying those needs? Are we boxing out every single time? Are we pursuing the offensive boards even when we're not boxed out? Are we on the help side? Are we in front of the post? Are we given second chance? Are we doing dumb fouls because we're not picking up outside the paint? You know, are we, are we uh, pushing sideline and baseline consistently? And so when we talk about our consistencies, then we can talk about, I mean, I want my team to be identified on the court as they do these things, right? This is how they're coached. This is what they do. Well, we're not doing those things consistently yet, right? And so once we do those things, then we can talk about, well, we just can't win a game, right? But that's not true. I believe if our team does those things that are within controllable and they believe it too. So that's what we're talking about. We're showing that on film. We're showing where we weren't where we needed to be. We should, we're not being consistent. We're not communicating in these ways. These are our like philosophy and principles. If we do them right, we win. If we don't, we lose. It is your choice. Where are we at in this, right? So we're having those kind of discussions and I will give a lot of credit to my team that they're buying into those areas. And we are seeing these players in the gym more often and we're having much better in-depth conversations because the other thing is I'm coaching predominantly freshmen and sophomores right now. So even from that standpoint, we're overcoming the deficiency in terms of experience that we're playing against in a very tough league at the GLBC level. So that's how we're not losing that locker room. I can hear the passion for the game and your understanding. Let's, if I bounce back to like Summer, when did, when she was younger, when did you get this, like the basketball bug? I think, um, so my background, right, I was, uh, my parents were very young when they had me. So my mom was 16 and my dad was 19 and, um, you know, things stacked against you at that, right? So you're, in real time, you're being raised by young parents, um, welfare, baby, trailer trash, that kind of upbringing, right? Um, and sport was what afforded me the opportunity to be like everybody else. Um, and to be held to a standard and be able to thrive, right? Because everybody's wearing the same uniform. You're coached the same. Um, there's rules. If you follow the rules, you can have success. And so I developed the love of the game because it's what empowered me to speak. I mean, I was painfully shy, like painfully shy, which no one believes. Um, and I was like uh, scared to death to speak out loud, you know? Um, and so sport and community members um, with, with where I'm from, which I'm from Urbana, Ohio, I had a great high school coach um, and, and an, an even better um, in terms of leader um, in my college coach in terms of mentors. But it was from a young age that I had such a value of sport changing the trajectory of a life. And I can say that with 100% um, sureness, I guess, is that if it were not for sport, I wouldn't be in front of you today. And it is the passion of why I coach and it's the passion of why um, I still believe in four-year players and recruit to four-year players and recruit to retain and still emphasize accountability and communication and doing the right thing because it's the right thing um, without regard to that transfer portal uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm still going to do what's right by the program to progress because it's what's enabled me to be here. It's what's enabled me to pursue an education. It's why I'm passionate about it um, and won't compromise on what's right and what's wrong. And so again, um, because I owe it to people that invested in me and re received nothing in return, I owe it to them. And so I owe it to them by every player that I try to, to provide the same experience to. You mentioned Urbana High School. What was it about that coach that resonated so much with you? Um, 
so my my uncles and my father were very successful athletes and urbana i would say in the 80s through the early 2000s um was dominant um in ohio in terms of the progressions in football um as well as in women's basketball and so bill moss uh is special and it's a dying breed it's they're dinosaurs in women's basketball um but he was the guy that opened the gym to everybody on sundays right open gyms so he's helping everybody in the area get better um he's one of the first to establish an AAU program um in ohio um in general so Dayton Cincinnati i mean kids were in our gym um from that standpoint and so he loved sport and was consistent in i mean he was tough right he coached us he was a football coach so he coached us like football players right so you're going to it's going to be direct we were having a conversation about like accountability and making mistakes and if you made a mistake he he said bye that's all you would hear right you'd hear you go bye and so you'd run the outside of the gym until another teammate made a mistake and then you got to go back into the gym or into the spot and so subtly even with those consistencies one we knew the rules right these are these are the rules and so then you start building this culture uh, and not only that but like things were subtle in terms of those things we naturally had accountability we also had natural communication in terms of i'm going in it's my spot right um hunger from that standpoint in terms of you'd prefer to be on the floor than running around <laughs> outside of the gym um and then also you'd be learning from others mistakes right because you didn't want to make the same mistakes you did not want to run the outside of the gym so you were paying attention and he did that all by just stru- the structure it there was no because you weren't asking why we were doing the things we were that that was not of our culture but essentially i there's so much value to what i was being taught at a young age and more importantly he started the first um girls only elementary league for the entire community really so you're talking about the county Champaign County um and other kids and so there were all girls um and it wasn't like you were the one girl that was on the boys team that ever got a pass right it was all girls and he did a really great job um putting in essentially uh what we were going to be running at the high school level he did a good job establishing that the coaches at those elementary leagues were starting to teach us the formatting right So it's a 1-4 high set. We learned 1-4 high set. It's very basic. Then that progressed to junior high and high school and that's that's what you need. I mean, we everybody could learn from that in a community, right? And so I think Bill Moss just he had an understanding and a passion for the game um and loved sport. He loved sport and so we we got to thrive underneath his leadership even when we didn't appreciate it probably in real time. At what point did you recognize that Hey, Summer could go to the next level and play beyond high school. Um, I think coach Ma I, like I didn't think of it in any other reason why I I had played for elite AAU programs. Uh Dayton Lady Hoop Stars was was dominating at this time. We were featured on Totally Hoops, which was a Disney channel because it kept winning the national tournament. And so being affiliated with it, I don't think there was any question that like all of us wanted to play collegiately. right and so in ohio there's several dominant division 3 programs like very strong division 3 programs kind of in your backyard um there was opportunities to go to junior college um there were some nais but nai wasn't 
in my area, it just wasn't recruited as much as it maybe is now. You know, I, I, I don't know why it was, would have probably been a nice alternative. Um, but I was doing all my visits, including like Wittenberg's right in our backyard. That's always a very strong um, athletic. They're, they've got it figured out in terms of their athletics always. And it's a, a prestigious academic school as well. It felt too close to home, right? Um, and I had taken a visit at Ohio Wesleyan. And when I met Nan Carney DeBoard, I canceled all the other visits. I just, I, I wanted to play for her. It was evident when I sat down um, that I was just of a person that's a leader of people. Um, she spoke and it was words that I had never, like in terms of like my progression, my future, my success um, in a different way than I'd ever heard. Um, like she saw greatness in me before like I would even, like I had limited my thoughts. It was the first time that adult had said, you could have this, 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 and this, and this. And here's you, here's how you go about it, right? Here's your goals, here's how, and she was big on that goal setting in all aspects, and then how you go about achieving your goals. And I, no no adult in my life had spoke like that. Um, and it, it was empowering. I mean, I, I think about even in college, how many times I had the opportunity to go into her office, sit down in front of her, and she would give me her time and how valuable her time is and was even to this day, right? In terms of investing and just pouring into me um, all the time. I mean, truly um, invaluable. And both coaches being Ohio Hall of Fame coaches, um, both inducted into their institutions. Um, Nan recently being the Nike Administrator of the Year, serving as a WBCA president of Division Three. I mean, to be among greatness like those coaches, um, I don't think it was of consequences um, or of, of co coincidence, I guess is the word I'm saying. Um, I do think it was all intentional and, and from my faith that God put me among the people that I'm supposed to be among and my feet were where they were supposed to be. And um, I was taught the life lessons I was supposed to have uh, with those mentors. And truly, there's not much I can give back. The only other person that had such an influential part of my life was a man named Mr. Miller, um, who who paid for me to have the opportunity to play elementary basketball and paid for my shoes um, because he, he saw me on a playground and was invested in women's sports because of his two daughters and one of which happened to be my my third and fourth grade teacher, right? Um, someone to put the shoes on my feet and the opportunity to play basketball. Those three people are huge, huge in terms of influencers of my life and um, people I'll never be able to repay in terms of um, what they've given me was that experience with those two awesome coaches what kind of inspired you to become a coach at what point did you say i'd kind of like to do this or did it just come about like what happened post-college you graduate and then what's summer up to <laughs> um well probably microbiology and organic chemistry were the first two things that were telling me i shouldn't be an orthopedic surgeon um right like you know the straight a it's 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 like that right in high school everything's easy to you right everything's coming easy and you're a high achiever and i enjoyed academics i enjoyed high achievement and then that first semester right of progressing into all these things and you're going to be an orthopedic surgeon of course summer because that's what you want to be and then you're like wait a minute like none of this is coming easy what does this mean it was my first semesters when i really learned that i was not theory based i wasn't good in theories i'm i'm pretty black and white in terms of thought process um with the exception of like people or maybe the shades of gray but like in terms of learning like 
A plus B equals C in terms of how I how I go about life. Um, and I didn't really know that about myself until <laughs> until the first year. And so I, I had more of a passion for the psychology piece of things, um, leadership, and maybe more sciences that were hands on, like kinesiology, physiology, um, anatomy and physiology, those kind of courses. So I went exercise science route, right? And so I, I still thought I'll go into athletic training. I was that's where I was doing my work study job was in the athletic training office. I was still thinking I was going to do those things, but then you know, camps happen, clinics happen. I, it was never away from basketball. And I enjoyed teaching the game of basketball. And then I began to serve more of a role in terms of our team of even like coaching my, you know, our group in terms of, of forwards and small forwards. And then I like, I just had a knack for it in terms of those things and loving the game from that standpoint. Um, then I was named a captain in my junior and my senior year. Right. And so you're leading in those ways. But still, I didn't think that I was going into coaching. Um, and then NCA the market, right, is introduced to me, right? So we're applying aggressively um, my senior year and um, I was applying for a lot of different things. And now graduate assistant positions are so great. When I was applying, it was like, and you get to come here, right? It wasn't like a meal <laughs> stipend. There was no housing. Maybe your tuition's paid for. Maybe if that, I remember one was literally all it was, was like they, they voiced it as a self um, cell phone stipend, right? A cell phone stipend, right? And meals. I think you, you got meals, but not meals over break. It was, there was, it wasn't what it is now, right? It's not even close to what mine offers now. And, um, I was looking and looking and I got my first opportunity at Vassar College. I had a, a great conversation with the head coach and I was applying at all things. You're talking about, I was looking at like sales, development, fundraising, uh, ticket office interns, right? I was looking at all those things, not sports information. I knew I didn't want to go that route um, at the time. Now, I think in school, I probably would have went more of a marketing standpoint because of all the graphics and the videos and the, you know, all those different things now what it is which it wasn't then when i was playing right and so i think it would probably would have went more of a sports management marketing because of how it would serve me now in my life um from that standpoint versus the science piece but um that's how i progressed um and then from vassar it it was a wrap i wouldn't have i wouldn't change any in terms of my progressions in terms of coaching this is what i i love to do and was the vassar that first job that you got in terms of coaching and that was the males and what was that experience when you're no coaching? that was that was on the women I didn't take okay. the men's job it was um well about four years ago um four years ago I was an assistant I left a high coaching job for the assistant men's job at Urbana University it afforded me the opportunity to come back home and um the men's head coach was someone I had coached with previously as the counterpart, right? As the head coach of the women's side, he's the head coach of the men's side. And so I came in and, and worked with him, but I can speak to that experience. <laughs> yeah, what, what is it like as a female walking into, uh, you know, it's, well, it's males. What's that like? How does that dynamic work? Yeah, I mean, I was concerned. Are they gonna listen to me, right? Are they gonna dismiss me? Um, is it like, you know, what are we going to have, you know? Um, and I remember our first week and I, I was tougher. I remember like being tougher on my, on my players in terms of conditioning because conditioning is a controllable. Um, and I walked in and I was like, what, you guys can't do a little bit of down and backs. And so I was like yelling. Right. And our men's coach was like, he like 
who and we know each other we just hadn't worked in that capacity right on the same team and so our the guys like looked dejected and like sad about me yelling at them they didn't they didn't smart off they didn't come back there was no rolling of the eyes like you get with female players right you see like grumpy or attitude or rolling the eyes like sometimes right and you're like I don't care that you're not in shape you're not in shape right so the men's side they looked like sad right and I was like what is going on like how could there be this be the response like this is weak like we should be tougher than this but so we team out and I remember like speaking my piece and our the head men's coach just being like like loving it like yep get them you know that kind of thing and so a senior had kind of pulled me and he's like you know what are what are your thoughts? And I was like, my thoughts are you can't be short and slow, right? And it was like, I had smacked him across the face and he was like, you know, but you have a control of one, right? You have, you can control one piece of that. And so we started to really develop a dynamic and they were listening. But what we did not anticipate is I started to get a lot of questions about relationships. I started to get a lot, like there was a lot of coming to me for insight on, on just a lot of different things. And then as we were talking, it just came maybe of coincidence or maybe basketball culture, but a lot of our players were coming from single parent homes in which their mom was the primary caregiver. And so not that I'm old enough to be all of their moms, right, essentially, but they were used to essentially a female um, for guidance. And so they were very open for guidance and respectful um, they would carry my bag. I never got that, I never get that luxury on the women's side, right? They were carrying my bag. I had rolled my ankle because it happens once a year in the most embarrassing way, I feel like. Um, thank you, basketball. But I had stepped off the, the bus. I was running in. I stepped on the bus and like the first thing to hit the floor was my pinky toe, right? So I just rolled over. One of the worst rolled the ankle, like very much like rocking, you know, sucking wind through your teeth, like trying not to cry. And if I were on the women's side, they would have been dying laughing, right? For sure. And the men came down and were like trying to help me up, right? I was catered to for the entire weekend. I didn't have to like go anywhere. It was very, you know, Cleopatra essentially in terms of treatment from all of them. Um, and so we did not anticipate that uh, at all um, from a coaching staff at all in terms of how much a female on staff can impact and, and talk to the males on your team in a much different way um, because there is ego involved differently on the men's side than there is on the women's side, complete like blind ego. And so when a male corrects them, it's natural to, to alpha. It's natural to fight it back. It's natural to go defensive. It's natural to be ego to ego first before you'll listen. And I didn't have those kind of barriers, I, like at all with any of them and we it's it's to this day josh um he's now the head coach at defiance college he's wanting to fill his ga position with a female um because we discovered how important it was and it was it was a it was unique from that standpoint in terms of impact um i do think that it was interesting too as a female head coach when i got to the men's side there were a lot of things established within sport that were far ahead of where the women's game is in terms of um, the way the game day is operated, the the um, affiliates essentially with the sports in terms of professionalism, those kind of things being in place. And so it was very eye-opening for me to serve on the other side and see how much further we have to grow our game, but more importantly, how we approach it and how we progress it. What was it like 
going back to Urbana and being a coach in that. I mean, it made basketball and coaches made such an impact in your time, in your youth days. Now you're come back and you're having that opportunity to be within the community as a coach. How awesome of an experience is that? It was awesome. It was awesome. And what's what's unique about it is two years prior to that, I was actually offered the head women's job at Urbana University. And I was vested in the, the, the position I had in terms of I had recruited. I had only been there for about a year, so I didn't want to leave it. I felt like we were progressing. And Urbana at the time um, was being bought out by another institution. And they didn't know if they were staying Division Two. They didn't know if they were going back to NAI. They didn't know the investment in terms of scholarships. It was There was a lot of unknowns. And I thought, I don't want to go back home and fail. And it's one of those times where I did not rely on mentors. I didn't really prey on it. I didn't, I should have. I mean, truly, it's one of those pivotal moments in my career where I look back on it and thought you should have approached that differently and, and kind of why didn't. But it was a tough life lesson because we didn't have the progression I thought I would at the, the other institution. We, I, my funding was cut in half. Um, I was restricted on the amount of games I could play. My scholarships, I mean, we're talking about I had turned down the job and three weeks later, all these things started happening, right? They mandate that I can't exceed uh, tuition in terms of paying for athletes, that all athletes would have to pay room and board, all those things that weren't there. And, and Urbana would have been somewhere I should have bet on myself and understood that if I couldn't get it done, I had people behind me established relationships for years and years and years, right? That would have absolutely backed us. And so God's funny like that, right? He has a great sense of humor because he said, okay, cool. I'm going to bring you back. And you're going to be on the, on the men's side, not as a head coach, right? Miss decision-making leader of her own program. You're going to serve. Um, and so when I got there on the men's side, it was great from that standpoint. Um, my, my uncle is, uh, very supportive. And so it was great to have my, my uncle in the stands. Um, I regret that I didn't take the position two years before because my grandmother that was very influential in my upbringing, um, would have been in those stands. Right. And so she had, she had actually passed away in that time. So it was when I got to come back in her band, I got to spend time with her before, um, before she died. And so there's reasons for it being part of my journey but it was amazing to to be among people um who have been part of the start right like the people that put the ball in my hand and people that have paid for my shoes or paid for me to travel right to be among people that were invested in me in that way um to be to be able to provide some sort of um give back um that was wonderful billy jean king took notice right i'll never be able to overcome that she took notice of of me getting the position um i was one of only two women on the men's side at all divisions at that time and so right you can't overcome that i need to print it out and frame it can't you can't overcome the billy jean king shout out for sure so those things um were big were really big you mentioned earlier too um having young parents when they had you uh, at the beginning what has it been for them to watch you grow and blossom into the, the coach that you are and the person that you are? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for both of them, um, you know, our relationships as they would be, I, we're strained, you know, I, I, I typically make the joke that MTV really helped me kind of forgive um, them for where their flaws were in terms of teen mom. I know like 
it's a lot of drama and when you're watching it essentially you know like is that a quality television but really um I, it was coming out when i was in college and i remember thinking like geez this is literally what my mom and dad were kind of experiencing right and maybe even so providing a little bit more insight on what my mom must have been experiencing in terms of you know <laughs> my dad was still able to go do go and do and my mom had the sacrifice of not being able to go to school and having to stay home and be homeschooled right she's pregnant with me um and even when born um essentially they didn't allow her to serve as a valid victorian because she wasn't the message right that we want to send to and this is the 80s right late 80s um dating myself a little bit but it's interesting from that standpoint because she had done everything she was supposed to if anything she should have been someone that was able to stand on her stage essentially to say I got it done anyway right um but sort of the burden or or even the scarlet letter essentially that she kind of had to bear right from that standpoint in terms of 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 being a teen mom um and then just growing up with that right so I had strong pillars in terms of female like my my grandmothers um as well as I you know got in my life and from an early early point in my life um you know being introduced to to faith right and so I think that those um, those progressions have been huge, but again, kind of a shaky childhood, right? Um, so I think some of those community members are proud. Um, and I think some of the people that, again, when I say that they vested in me with nothing in return, I, I truly mean it. I wasn't of blood, um, never financially have I been able to pay for the debt, essentially that they took on investing in me. Um, and it's again, for love, sport and, and the trajectory of my life has been impacted by those who, who chose to freely give. You've been kind of through all kind little stops along the way, and now you've landed in Springfield. What's the plan? Right. Is it, are we trying to set roots? Are you like, look, I want to be, I want to build this program and, and develop it the way I want. Um, what's kind of your outlook if we go three, four years a, a, ahead? Um, so I've been here for only a couple months, right? Um, there's a lot of, of promising features. Um, this area feels maybe more like home than, than other places I've been um, in my travels in terms of, you know, what it looks like um, navigating, right? There's cornfields here. I'm used to that. It's flatter. It's like, it's like being at home. Even the, um, we're in Springfield, Illinois, but Springfield, Ohio was 15 minutes away, right? There's Champaign is the other campus essentially. And so I'm from Champaign County. There's Urbana, Champaign, Urbana here. I'm from Urbana, Ohio. So it's weird in terms of the familiarity of words even, right? And how that feels like home. This is also the first time that I've been in a place that's essentially allowed me to utilize all my recruiting from previous places um this is a nice central location to establishing like to bringing in west virginia kentucky illinois like in terms of out of chicago ohio i mean a lot of my base has already been established and now it's being able to utilize all of them together um i do feel like they've invested in well in terms of women's basketball our facilities the quality of education with us being part of the university of illinois um, umbrella, um, the the student athlete experience, and more importantly, just the student experience, the, and and again, the quality of education. I'm I'm at a place essentially that I I'm afforded the opportunity to build, and not build in spite of, right? But to build and not achieve in spite of, but achieve in, in a way that's celebrated by all. And I really believe in the leadership of my athletic director. Um, 
she's uh, again and just establishing an early relationship. She has been wonderful in terms of of allowing me to speak on the program, where I want to take it, where we are right now, um, and and with a firm understanding of of I mean, she selected me right to lead, but more importantly, she's allowed me to lead our program. Um, recruiting is going extremely well. Um, and so when we talk about establishing roots, yes, like I'm of a certain age, right? Like I would like to share my life with someone. You have to stay somewhere, right? To allow for that. I would like to finally have been able to not only, you know, till the field, buy the equipment to till the field, right? Establish the field and then actually be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And I don't know that I've been in a place long enough to do that. Um, it, I've always been able to establish it and progress it dramatically, but not really be able to dramatically um, embrace what we could achieve. You know what I mean? Because it's been like, this is the time to go. You, you know, when you get it here, you've got to leave it. And, um, and that's hard. That's tough on all that's involved, you know, from that standpoint and starting over. Like I said, this is my toughest, most challenging in terms of career start. Um, at a, a new institution, typically we've done better than this in the first couple of games. So to be 0-9 right now is not something I'm used to. It's, it's, I don't, it's tough, but it's made me better as a coach because again, I'm able to, like you said, how are you not losing that locker room? As we're talking about our principles and our players are buying into it and we're showing it on film. And beyond that, we're, we're doing team reads and we're doing a gratitude journal and we're talking about things and we're establishing communication and we're progressing from that standpoint. And then we're also, I am extremely transparent. I have no problem talking now, right? Extremely transparent in terms of the expectations of the recruits coming in and what we want to do here. And what we want to do here is put banners in our gym and I've got all 10 fingers available for rings, right? And that's what we want to do. So I need players with that same mindset and speak that same language, but yes, I think for me, absolutely, I would like to establish roots. Absolutely, I would like to be at a place um, and build and build a legacy like Bill Moss and like Nan Carney DeBoard. I would like to do that. The other thing you mentioned is we. So how important has been your staff that you put together there in Springfield? I think it's big. I, I'm I I enjoy growing the game in terms of having the opportunity to to bring in female coaches. Um, I I think it's important um, in terms of our players having that that relationship um, and being able to give back to the sport. Um, and and so for me, it's it's progressing that, and then also holding our staff to standards, right? And and no one is above the culture in terms of what we're trying to build for our program. And so uh, I think Michaela Gibbons is doing a great job in terms of of learning. Um, she's a young coach. Uh, she played at USC Upstate and had the opportunity to play for two different coaches. She finished her career for Becky Burke, who is a great coach and a young coach who continues to progress and uh, move up the ladder rapidly. And I think it says a lot, speaks to who she is in terms of like Becky Burke is a winner. Um, and she gets the job done. And so for Kayla Gibbons to have played for her and kind of see that progression, I felt like it was important for the players that we were inheriting on a roster to be able to have someone in place that can kind of speak to the changes and why it's important to, you know, progress. Um, but more importantly, that she's played for a tough coach. 
that there was no expectation, you know, exemptions. Like this is what we're doing, and we are either all in or we're you move out of the way because someone else is coming in to to progress this program. And so I think it's important that she's able to kind of speak that language. Um, and so like today, right? Today we're doing arts and crafts because. The other side of me is very arts and crafts in terms of having opportunity to play minutes to win it games on the road or to be creative in terms of allowing our players to express themselves differently beyond the court, the confines of the court, right? And so we're painting, you know, we're painting things. I don't want to give it away. I don't know if my players will tune into this later, right? So all of it's a surprise because it's who I am. Uh, but we'll be painting today. And she's like, no one's ever done this. And I was like, yep, keep painting. <laughs> like, we're, we got things to do. We got things to do. So um, from that standpoint, she's been wonderful in terms of her buy-in. My, my GA position is currently vacant. Um, that is a position that we'll want to hire for in the spring. Um, but I treat my GA and my full-time the same, the same expectations with the same opportunities to grow. And so when I sit them down, I ask, you know, where do you feel really strong? Great, we'll give you that so you have your confidence builder. Where is it that you need to grow? Great, let's give you a piece of that so you can progress. And then let's talk about what I know so I can kind of give you what I know and then you can take it and run. And then give me your ideas. What do you think? You know, um, I always want them to feel have the opportunity to speak on um, things that they're seeing or, or progressing or, or areas that are tough um, and always want to kind of prepare them for their next career staff you know, or career step. I, I believe that all that are, are coming in for me, here's the first time where I've been able to afford a full time. First time I've ever had a GA like this. Like, this is big. It's usually been me. I've been driving the bus. I've been um, completing, right, all of our, our, our news stories and um, those kind of things. And so it's been wonderful in terms of being able to share common language, um, but also progress the game with our staff. The things I've been hearing, uh, controlling the controllables, um, how important your faith is and serving. Have those been things that not just in your coaching, but just in your life in general? I mean, is there other little keywords that you consistently like habitually have put into place that I need to be consistent on all these? Because I can tell when you're you've talked about, I want to share my life story with these players and my up and coming coaches. Um, what other things beyond maybe those three or are those kind of maybe your core kind of ideas that you like to latch on to? I think those probably are core um, and and work harder, right? No one cares, work harder, keeps coming, um, comes to me a lot, but it, it's true. You know, like outwork everyone else and you can have it. Like, I believe in that um, because statistically speaking, if I didn't work hard, right? And I didn't, I didn't do it all. Like, I shouldn't be where I'm at. I should have a baby at 16 and I should be on essentially government assistance in the trailer park. Statistically saying that that is typical. Um, and so I, and I was able to progress past that. That's hard. Um, and still, right. I chose a career in coaching, right? So it's not like, um, I'm, I'm rolling in, in money, right. By any means. Um, it, but progressing from that standpoint and, and continue trying to achieve from that standpoint, I, I think knowing cares work harder is, is important to instill in our players in terms of you're going to meet adversity in your life. What are you, are you folding? Are you, are you working through it? Right. And so, and then the other thing is I'm not for everybody that has come up more in terms of conversation and in my early career, I used to be very upset about it. I used to be, I'm truth oriented. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Like there's value in that, right? And so some people don't like that. Some people didn't maybe like my delivery of that, right? And so my, I truly, my feelings would be hurt. Like I couldn't understand like why we weren't progressing or if I've recruited you, 
why we didn't understand what this meant, right? So I've become better in terms of providing this is where we're at, this is where we're going, but also better in terms of being as extremely transparent in the process, like with, with my recruits. If you don't want this, don't come play for me. If this isn't what you're about, don't come play for me. And it's cool. There are plenty of other coaches, but this is who I am. You know, um, this is what we're doing here. These are what the expectations are. Nothing else. There's, we're not below that. Like you can't talk about banners and rings, especially when you don't have one yet as a head coach, right? I don't have one yet. You can't speak to that and someone look at you confused or not recognize what the sacrifice or not understand the standard. And I say it a lot to our kids in terms of everybody was cooped up. Everybody's watching the the, the last dance, right? And you know, we're, we're the two things that stood out. There was the Rodman, inter, in a, you know, the interview in terms of him talking about all those players and where the ball goes, right, on each rebound. It, it was amazing. I mean, like, goosebumps, amazing, because he was doing that in times where it's not as easy in terms of film. Like, that's film. Tons of, to know how the ball is going to roll for every single person and your brain to work like that, it's just brilliant. But the other thing that really stood out, right, and we're all looking for a Rodman. If we can all find a Rodman for our team, I mean, that's everybody wants that, right? In terms of just utilize your body, rebound and pursue the ball and want to be a role player, do it to your best of abilities is unreal. But the other thing that really stood out was, you know, they're showing how many of Michael Jordan's teammates really didn't like him um, and his leadership and how tough it was. And I mean, Steve Kerr to talk about wanting to punch him in the face or actually hitting him or trying to hit him. And, you know, everybody believes him to be this, you know, peaceful, easy, like Sunday morning, like just normal. Right. And he strongly was ready to just wanted to fight him. Right. And so when they're asking Michael Jordan, he's like, well, would you have changed anything? And he said, no, no. I, how can I be upset with them? None of them had ever been there before. Like they didn't have the vision. They didn't know what it was going to take. They didn't know the sacrifice someone had to be that and so because I was that it's what has allowed us to have achievement and I remember that really giving me a sense of peace I'm I obviously I'm not Michael Jordan and I aspire to be a great leader um and and obviously I want to not have my players want to fight me that's not the goal in terms of those things but I have to understand that if I want different results and if I want high achievement that that doesn't come to everybody and so my leadership has to be different but more importantly consistent and the expectation has got to continue to increase if our expectations are winning championships putting rings on our fingers and having banners and so the more we can speak that common language and the more that i can educate my players in terms of why this matters and it matters more than the rings and it matters more than the banners what it, it those are symbols of hard work and achievement but that's what's going to help them when they serve in different capacities they're going to serve as high achieving career women they're going to serve as wives and mothers and you've got to wake up because you've got to go to work even though you don't feel well and that baby still needs to be fed and you still serve right in different relationships and, and in terms of your family and you still need to pay your light bill right even when you don't feel like it so then you know now i get players tell me if i can get through a set of eights which is just one of our sprints totally doable if i can get through a set of eights i can wake up and push out today right whatever because it's not the set of eights it's developing confidence that you can get something done even when you thought you couldn't it's achievement it's pushing through even when it's tough so you start developing the right that neuromuscular response to toughness and on hard work and achievement and you can do it so that's 
kind of my thought process in terms of leadership. I know that was a broad answer and I went seven different places, but that's the approach. That is the approach and that's the why and that's the end result. That answer was a perfect summary of this chat. I'm going to shut it down. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chat with Summer Quisenberry, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you. Bye.